I'm Gordon Thompson. I played your favorite villain on Dynasty, Adam Carrington. My pleasure to talk with Ed Robertson here on TV Confidential. Please join us. Ed Robertson, welcoming you to this week's edition of TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will welcome George Stevens Jr. in our second hour. George Stevens Jr., the son of Oscar-winning director George Stevens and the founder of the American Film Institute and the Kennedy Center Honors. George not only worked closely with his dad behind the scenes of A Place in the Sun, Shane, The Diary of Anne Frank, and giant, but was well on his way to establishing a career in his own right as a director when a unique opportunity to work with legendary broadcaster Edward R. Murrow brought George to Washington, D.C. at the start of the JFK administration, a journey that not only changed the course of George's life and career, but which also changed the course of film history in the United States through George's efforts with the American Film Institute. George Stevens Jr. will join us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. Our first hour will include a conversation with Stuart Pankin. Stuart Pankin, the actor known around the world as the voice of Earl Sinclair on Dinosaurs and the Cable Ace Award-winning star of the groundbreaking HBO series, Not Necessarily the News. Though we often think of Stu Pankin for his comedic roles, he also has a host of dramatic parts among his film and TV credits, including a prominent role in a new political thriller called Deep in the Forest, which we'll tell you more about when Stuart Pankin joins us later on in this hour. We'll be able to stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, we'll begin our program with an encore presentation of a conversation that originally aired in November 2018 with Emmy Award-winning producer and television icon Marty Croft. Pretty much everyone listening tonight knows that most, if not all, the most colorful and fondly remembered children's shows of the 1970s and 1980s sprang from the imaginations of Sid and Marty Croft. Their groundbreaking live-action fantasy shows, including, of course, Land of the Lost, Lidsville, and H.R. Puffin stuff, were mainstays of the Saturday morning airways, not to mention a testament to the artistry and charm of the Croft brothers themselves and the magical spell they cast on generations of TV viewers. Marty Croft, along with Kathy Coleman, Wesley Yerp, Johnny Whitaker and Christopher Knight are among those scheduled to appear this weekend at CroftCon. CroftCon, the very first convention dedicated to the talents and iconic TV shows produced by Sid and Marty Croft. CroftCon take place Saturday, May 21st from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the historic Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. We'll tell you more about the event in just a second. But first, Marty Croft, welcome to TV Confidential. Oh, Welcome. To my life. <laughs> no, I'm happy you called. Ed. Yes. Ed yes. Robertson. Ed Robertson. That is my name. That is my name. We're all over the place with this show. That's good. I do what I can. I do what I can. I understand that, in a way, your careers began with a topless puppet. Well, more than one. <laughs> of them. We were up to our tail with boobs. <laughs> <laughs> puppet show. And it was, it was classy. 
and we play it to millions of people, and it cost a lot of money to produce it and run it. We were creatively a hit. never suspect you're not talking correct. Don't say Paris, say Paris. Financially, it was not great. You got, you know, but you know what? That was our first big thing. And one thing about us, we never cut short on producing any of our shows. So that's why I guess they're still alive. You can't kill them with a baseball bat. Well, you can't kill them with a baseball bat because one way or another, you tapped on, you know, what people were looking for when they were originally on and uh, whether it's the nostalgia of people like me who, who, who revisit them because it brings us back to our childhood or because there's the fantasy element which makes them timeless. I mean, that's another reason why so many of your shows are still, you know, reaching audiences today. Well, you know, there are a couple of things that I think were contributed to it all. One is that there, ha- there wasn't any live-action shows at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we changed things around. We kind of called them living cartoons. You know, the theme songs were great. I can walk down the street now, 40 years later, and the adults can sing me the theme songs, which is mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're still alive. I guess, you know, I told my brother, one day they'll be worth something. <laughs> but we own all the shows we did then. Can't do that anymore. That was the one good thing. And do you know the difference between Walt Disney and Sid and Marty Croft? Uh, no, t- uh, tell me that, please. Walt Disney is dead. Well, that's true. <laughs> but there are only two companies in our business with libraries that never, ever sold out. Yeah. One of them's an elephant, and guess who the flea is? <laughs> anyway, the elephant is Disney. Yeah. We could have sold out a number of times. And uh, there were a lot of bottom feeders. and But, you know, what are we going to do? If I sold out, I have to stay home, watch daytime television. I'd be dead in a month. <laughs> not doing that. Not doing that at all. I had not realized this until uh, last night, uh, Marty, when I did some homework on, on, on you and your brother. Your first network TV show was The Banana Splits. How did you go from The Banana Splits to HR Puff and stuff? Well, let me tell you, that was not our show, but we created those characters. Hanna-Barbera did not know how to do it. They were only doing animation. So they had us create and build all those characters, the splits. And while we were doing it in our factory, where we built everything, NBC, the head of programming, would come with Kellogg's and check on the progress. So one day, the head of programming at NBC said to me, his name was Larry White, he said, why don't you do your own show? And I said, okay. He said, well, come up with it and then, and then present it to me. So that's how Puffin stuff got on. And I understand that around the same time, the characters that eventually became Puffin stuff and the world that surrounded him, that was also something you were developing at the World's Fair at the time, correct? Well, you know, you see, we did all live shows first. My brother started, I was a kid. He was the opening act for Stars. I joined him at one point. Mm-hmm. Some of the stars we were on tour with, Judy Garland, Sinatra, Tony Martin, you know, Liberace. You know, this thing didn't happen overnight. So we had a lot of access to some major people. And we were at Six Flags with the creative heads and had our puppet shows there. So you got to watch out what you wish for because the puppet shows paid for all the over-budget 
on the TV. <laughs> we were lucky to be alive. We were robbing Peter to pay Paul all the time. Problem was, we ran out of Peter a few times. <laughs> so uh, now, mentioning Walt Disney, when we were at, at the Flamingo in Vegas with Judy Garland, about a year or two later, I was at the Polo Lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel with Tony Martin and Sid Charisse having a drink. On the other side of the room was Walt Disney and his wife. So he came over to the table because he saw Sid Charisse's legs, so he definitely came over. <laughs> and he gave, he gave me some advice. I said, really? Well, what is it? He said, don't ever sell anything you create and always fight for your name above the title. Those are two great things. He left out the most important, how to keep your money. Well, <laughs> that was the Walt Disney connection I had. It was one. Of course, I had a big connection to Disney with the following president. I had some, his son-in-law. The funny thing is that I used to get calls from Michael Eisner to get him into this private club at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. So he, then he wound up with the, uh, with the whole thing. And he never got me in the club. <laughs> We're talking to Marty Croft. Marty Croft of Sid and Marty Croft Productions. Marty Croft, along with Kathy Coleman, Wesley Yur, Johnny Whitaker, and Christopher Knight are all scheduled to appear at CroftCon. CroftCon, the very first convention dedicated to the talents and iconic TV shows produced by Sid and Marty Croft. CroftCon will take place Saturday May 21st from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the historic Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. It's a day-long event that will include screenings of episodes from your favorite Sid and Marty Croft shows, as well as Q&As, lectures, a costume contest with a top prize of $200, trivia games, plus a screening of the Puffin Stuff movie from 1970. Tickets are $25 in advance, $30 at the door. For more information, CroftCon. Dot com. That's K-R-O-F-F-T-K-O-N, CroftCon.com, or follow the CroftCon page on Facebook or the TV PopCon pages on Twitter and Instagram. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. To keep up with Sid and Marty Croft, go to SidandMartyCroft.com. Let's go back to Puffin Stuff. Correct me if I got the facts wrong. I understand after NBC you know, came to you while you were doing Banana Splits, they said you should be doing your own show. You put together a presentation for Puff and Stuff, and you sold the show without a pilot. Did I get that correct? Well, our pilots were always artwork for the kids' shows for the first six or seven shows. So, you see, I don't, we never thought anybody would read anything. No one reads, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Pictures are the best. So, yes, I gave Larry White a book. Oddly enough, I met him. This was the head of NBC. Mm-hmm. Met him at Union Station because he didn't fly to New York and back. He was once in a plane crash, so he always took the train. And then there were no cell phones or anything. So I gave him the book on a Friday afternoon. I found him at Union Station handed him the book, and on Monday morning, he called me, he says, okay, you got it, you're in, and that's how it started. 
Then that the scary part started. Mm -hmm. We had never done a show before. Yeah, that, and that's where I'm coming from. Okay, you and your brother, you had been in show business for at least 10 years after that point, but you'd never produced a show before. So the fact that you were able to get the show done without a pilot, that's amazing in and of itself. But well, I sent my assistant to a major bookstore at the time. I think they were called Pickwick. Mm -hmm. I asked to find a book on how to produce a television series. So that's how it started. Well, not only you got a book, but you were smart enough to reach out and surround yourself people who knew how to do television so that you can learn about how to produce shows while you're producing your very first show. I mean, that's... Right, that's... And, and we had the honor of losing $900,000 <laughs> and trying to figure out a way where we were going to get it so we didn't go bankrupt. So we owed Paramount where we shot... 400000 yeah. He bugged me. I said, don't worry, we'll pay you. And then I don't know who else. We owed the post-production facility, and they were great. The guy said to me, don't worry, I know you'll pay us. Go get your other people that you owe money to. Take care of them first. What I did, though, was I took care of that guy first. <laughs> we always uh, told the truth. The truth is the best thing. You know, my father always said, tell the truth right away. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they're going to find out anyway. Yeah. Of course, everyone remembers the Saturday morning show, H.R. Puff and stuff, but the movie you guys did, you know, with Mama Cass, that was a lot of fun. At first, I'd wonder what hex I was under. What did I do to be so different? Then I discovered some others like me. And the songs by Charles Fox were great. How'd you come to work with Charles? That was his first job in L.A. We hired him and Norman Gimbel. Mm -hmm. The guy, we knew the guy was talented. And, of course, right after he did the movie, he wrote a small song called Killing, Killing Me Softly. Softly. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, then he went on to do some of our other shows. Mm -hmm. And, of course, then uh, he had the theme on Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, mm -hmm. Love American Style. You know, on and on. He, he probably did 100 movies. But the guy is talented, and uh, he writes the best melodies. So that's how, you know, we found him. I, you know, I don't remember. Somebody must have introduced him to us. And we gave him a break. We always gave talent mm -hmm. a break. Always liked new talent. Then just in general, when you're working with a songwriter, and the songwriter is going to create songs for uh, whether it's the movie version of one of your properties or the TV version of, of one of your properties, how, how does that work? Do you sit down with them and give them an idea of the concept and then you know let them do their thing and then they run what they have with you and you work together? Or do you leave them or do you let well, them? Well, I think there's none of the above. I'll tell you what I do. I buy a prayer rug and I pray a lot. <laughs> That's how it all happened. <laughs> so there's a lot of kismet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with music, yeah, you can audition now. What I do now, I've done this, of course, over and over. Uh, I can have two or three songwriters, you know, present a song to us. And then, you know, on Mutton Stuff, the show we got at Nick now, mm -hmm. we have uh, Michael Picton. He delivered the first show. I knew that he could do it. We had a great guy, and he did all 73. You know, then we supervise it. We don't like something. I call him up. He writes it all in New York. And, uh, you know, we collaborate with him. And, uh, I mean, if something doesn't sound right, sure. you can't use it. But uh, with the movie with Puff and stuff, that was great music. 
I could make a Broadway show with that music today. In fact, Charlie's still around, and that's what he wants me to do. Charlie's got a lot of money. <laughs> Overlooking Lincoln Center. Yeah. How did you and your brother manage to get the psychedelic references past the network censors? Uh, I don't think they got it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think they got to puff and stuff. Yeah. Lidsville, you know. Now, we did nothing that was drug-related no. in any of the shows. But some of the titles, you know, I think we attracted the high school and college kids with them. Yes. Who, 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 Everybody thought we were always stoned doing these shows. Now, I can't vouch for the audiences, but you can't create and produce and be stoned. Exactly. No, and a Cheech Marin would say the same thing. I mean, because writing is a discipline, producing is a discipline. You got you. Yeah. Don't compare me with him. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. That's wild. <laughs> so, if we had done as many drugs as everybody thought we did, we'd be dead today. No, but that's the point. You, you know that it's a business, and when a network invests in you, when a studio invests with you, you got to deliver the product, and you got to take that serious and do the best you can and let the connotations, you know, be interpreted as, as oh, the, the worst drug there is is alcohol yes right that's the one that causes the most trouble i always told tell people you've never seen anybody smoking pot that ever robbed a bank <laughs> we're talking to marty croft marty croft along with his brother sid croft are icons to generations of television viewers around the world who grew up watching hr puff and stuff land of the lost sigmund and the sea monsters lidsville Electro Woman, and Dinah Girl, and other Saturday morning shows before morphing into more adult fare with such shows as Donnie Marie, Pryor's Place, The Brady Bunch Hour, Barbara Mandurell, and the Mandrell Sisters, and DC Follies. Marty Croft, along with Kathy Coleman, Wesley Ur, Johnny Whitaker, and Christopher Knight are all scheduled to appear at CroftCon, CroftCon, the very first convention dedicated to the talents and iconic TV shows produced by Sid and Marty Croft. CroftCon will take place Saturday, May 21st from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. at the historic Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. It's a day-long event that will include screenings of episodes from your favorite Sid and Marty Croft shows, as well as Q&As, lectures, a costume contest with a top prize of $200, trivia games, plus a screening of the Puffin Stuff movie from 1970. Tickets are $25 in advance, $30 at the door. For more information, CroftCon. Dot com. That's K-R-O-F-F-T-K-O-N, CroftCon.com, or follow the CroftCon page on Facebook or the TV PopCon pages on Twitter and Instagram. To keep up with Sid and Marty Croft, go to SidandMartyCroft.com. While we're on the subject of Lidsville, for me, Charles Nelson Riley. I mean, that was, he was the show. A lot of villains were the show. Yeah. You know, the villains is where it's at. Yeah. Of course, in Puff and stuff, we had Jack Wilde, mm -hmm. who was the Artful Dodger and mm -hmm. Oliver, mm -hmm. had the Oscar nomination at 14, you know, so, but the villains were all Witchy Poo. Yeah. We always had great villains. Witchy Poo was great. Benita Bazaar, Hoodoo, you know, and on and on. The Sleestacks and Land of the Lost. Mm -hmm. 
There we go. There you go. Listening to a conversation with Marty Croft that originally aired in November 2018 on TV Confidential. Marty will be appearing at the first ever CroftCon, which will take place Saturday, May 20th, all day at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. CroftCon.com. We'll play more of a conversation with Marty Croft at the end of our second hour. In the meantime, take a quick time out. Then Stuart Pankin will join us. We come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.